Welcome back to the Section K Podcast. Today's Tuesday, August the 20th. We have a lot of cutting action going on across the country. Two cuttings. The Cascades Futurity in Redmond, Oregon, and the West Texas Futurity in Amarillo, Texas just wrapped up this weekend. A whole handful of champs were crowned at both events. Um, we're going to discuss the winners at both Redmond at the Cascades and at the West Texas Futurity in Futurity in Amarillo. Um, we're also going to kind of give our opinions and our thoughts on what's been going on within the NCHA and going on on social media. A whole lot of proposals and a whole lot of ideas floating out there, and uh, we kind of wanted to take our time to regroup after last week and all that was going on, and we finally all got together and kind of discussed it. So we have that on here right before our awesome interview with Carol Ward. So uh, we hope you guys enjoy that. We can't thank Carol uh, for coming by after she had made the finals at the Metallic Cat Summer Cutting Spectacular on her horse Crafty with Cows. So we kind of caught her at a good time. It was really right after she had realized it was her last finals on Crafty and uh, she was pretty pumped up. So we caught her at a good time and had a great interview with her, a great conversation. Um, Her and her good friend Gene Fitzgerald came by and sat down with us for a while. Gene kind of observed, but overall great people. Um, we talk about how awesome Carol is and how great of an ambassador to the sport of cutting she is. Um, so we hope you guys enjoy this awesome episode of the Section K podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hayride. Hayright produces and distributes superior grade premium alfalfa cubes from the source in Milford, Utah, and from the Hayright warehouse in Weatherford, Texas, to dealers and customers across the USA. Hayright alfalfa is grown on high desert farms located in southern Utah, certified noxious, weed-free, and contains no beetles. It's always sun-cured, chopped, and cubed in the field, the superior way to make cubes. Premium forage should be the foundation of any feeding program. Safe, digestible premium forage ingredients are Hayrite's hallmark. From crop circles to winter circles, expect the best from Hayrite. You can find them at hay-rite.com or find them at Hayrite on Facebook. We have a lot of cutting results to cover on today's episode. The Cascades Futurity in Redmond, Oregon has been going on. The West Texas Futurity in Amarillo, Texas just wrapped up as well. Um, Starting out, the Cascades in Redmond, Oregon, there was tons of good cutting action going on. Uh, Futurity aged event, uh, youth scholarship cutting and then the first leg of the Way Out West series, as we were talking about on uh, this interview with Carol Ward that's going to be coming up later later on in the show. But uh, some of the champions in the, in the Cascades Futurity, um, in the Open Derby, Monty, Monty Bunton rode dual cap Pepto for Mike Flashman. In the Intermediate Open Derby, Brent Erickson and Hot Rocks won for DeCole Investment Company. The non-pro derby champion was Allie Good. Came all the way up from Texas and won on Sabrina Boone. And the limited non-pro derby champion was Kimberly Irons, riding CR Rosie Tough Stuff. In the amateur derby, Rocky Davis and her Royal Queen picked up the title. 
in the Unlimited Amateur Derby. Kimberly Ironed. Kimberly Irons and CR Rosie Tough Stuff again tied with Ken Schultz and rocking those tricks. In the open fraternity, our cat Mr. Wilson and Eric Wisehart won the open fraternity title for owner Marvin Teixeira. And in the intermediate open, Jerry Palmer, another Texan, won the championship on his own horse, Brown Sugar. The non pro fraternity champion was Beth Rocky who rode Sky's Huey Boy for owner Justin Rocky. The five, six-year-old open champion was Russ Elrod, who rode Smart Metallic Jerry for owner Bogus Revocable Trust. And in the intermediate open, Galen Wells made the trip up and won the title on Little Jules Olena for owner James Fiegel. Um, and the five, six-year-old non-pro Michelle Barnes and Caddy Blues had a heck of a show, won the five, six non-pro championship and also won the five, six unlimited amateur title. Uh, the 5-6 limited non-pro champion was Amanda Smith and Emma Ray. And the 5-6-year-old amateur champion was Kimberly Irons and betting on Billy Joe. Heck of a show for Kimberly. Um, your youth scholarship champions, Sadie Grant. She rode She's a Showstopper, uh, won that championship. And Mia Webster, uh, at least in the last round of the scholarship, she showed Too High for Sue. I think she showed a couple youth horses throughout the week. Um, the Way Out West Series champs. Um, the open champion was Morgan Cromer and Be a Pure Cat for owner Jill Roth. And the non-pro champion, Allie Good, made her trip worthwhile. Uh, won the non-pro on her horse, Catatat Cat. And the amateur Way Out West Series champ was David Harp and Cossack Cat. Looked like a good show out in Oregon. I know the weather was nice. I think uh, the cattle were a little challenging here and there, but overall, our correspondent, Mark Michaels, he was doing a heck of a lot of posting with uh, old Drew Stew up in Oregon. Looked like they were having a big old time. Now, big congratulations to all the champions at the Cascades Futurity and uh, Way Out West Series. The 2019 West Texas Fraternity in the Yellow City, also known as Amarillo, Texas, and home of the Amarillo Sod Poodles. Derby classes, open champion, the GOAT, Lloyd Cox, Miss Baby Cakes, owner, Barker Ranch with a score of 226.5. Matt Miller was second with a 225 on Caddy Duels. Intermediate open, Kelly Earnhardt, hottest owner, Julie Jarma, Limited Open, Taryn Munch, Revenge, owner Gail Nickelbin, non-pro champion, and closing in on a million dollars, Mr. Cody Hedlund, and would you tell us, marking a 222, winning $10,000, intermediate non-pro, Texas Panhandle native Ryder Carpenter, and flashing, limited non-pro, Laura Bennett, Tic Tac Sugar, Amateur Derby champion, our man K-Rudd, Caden Rutherford, and Mexican Radio, they had a hell of a show. Intermediate Amateur Derby, Hunter Williams, Little Naughty Kitty. Limited Amateur Derby, es Esquivel, Bustamante, Willie Smooth. Fraternity champs, Open, Taryn Rice, Amazing Blues, owner Blakely Colgrove, marking a 222, winning 15000 Metallic Cat Incentive winner, Super G, Bo Gallion, Martini and Style owner, Dottie Hill. Intermediate Open, Brett McLaughlin. Inner Sand Cat winning 7000 Owner, Rockin' Bees Ranch. 
non-pro champ, Ty Moore, tweezing my brow. Five and six-year-old open, Adon Benuelos, race style and smooth. Owner, 1027 wrench, marking a 225. Winning at 13. Bob Smart Ray, owned by his wife. Chelsea Tatum winning 6,000. Limited open, the Brazilian man, Rodrigo Toboga. Metallic Royal Mate, owner, J.H. Nail Ranch Incorporated, winning 5,200. Non-Pro 5'6 champion, Julie Jarma, Hot Hills, winning 12,000. Also winning the intermediate non-pro, Julie Jarma, in blackish. Limited non-pro champ, and also a Texas Panhandle native and Ryder Carpenter's brother, Mr. Cash Carpenter in Katie Smalls. Amateur champ, Vaughn Sutton, Super Ray, Intermediate Amateur, Bill Carter, Metallic Tracks. Limited Amateur Co-Champions, Lightsaber Duel and Benjamin James, and Capella Cat and Trey Fricky. 10,000 added, Open and Non-Pro, Non-Pro Champion, Blakely Colgrove and Catman Blue, and Open Champion, Taryn Rice, and CR Gotcha Covered, Owner, Colgrove Cattle Company. And lastly, with... Uh, before I want to hear y'all's thoughts on y'all's championships, I just want to make a point and say that just because we haven't in the past, or I don't feel like I have, CR Got You Covered uh, is a horse out there right now that is just absolutely dominating. And you can just tell by looking at that horse that that is a different kind of horse, a freak of nature. And uh, I mean, he makes it look so, so, so easy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Old Gotcha, he looked yeah, really good. Um, really day after day, whether it was open night cuttings or in that ten thousand added um, go round and finals, Gotcha had it going on. So yeah, big congratulations to Taryn uh, Colgrove Cattle Company, Blakely Colgrove, Joel, the whole family. They had a great show. Um, at the West Texas Fraternity. Okay, Rod, tell us a little bit about Mexican Radio. Oh, SPM, man. Uh, he's one we raised here at the house. Uh, got his mom out here. Um, yeah, he's just a cool little dual smart Ray Gildan um, that Porterfield trained the whole way through. He rode him as a two-year-old. Uh, rode him as a three-year-old, showed him at the fraternity, kind of had some tough luck here and there. It was a little snake bitten in the open, I thought, and uh, I just kind of decided to show him here lately and made the finals at the Derby, um, had some success here at the West Texas, and yeah, he's just fun, easy to show, and like we always say, the good ones make it easy, and the good what ones What about, what was your confidence level between the showing at the derby in fort worth compared to going in and showing at the west texas was there did you have any different feeling walking to the herd in the first go no i knew i had a good horse i mean as you all know it's a whole lot more fun and it's a lot easier whenever you know you have a good one and you know you have one that's going to help you down there and is going to give them their all and i mean i mean i just knew that i had a good horse and if i did my job that I mean, I didn't really expect to win, but I kind of always expect to be in the finals. I mean, kind of like yes, what Matt and Bo have said, if you're going to gonna go, you kind of got to be ready and, and expect to do good. Because if you're not expecting to do good and if you're worried about messing up or worrying about what other people are doing, it's probably not going to go that good. 
Cody, give us a little rundown on what you tell us and what your thoughts on how she was working before the West Texas fraternity started. Well, she's a homegrown mare like K Ruds um, by Woody B. Tough. And out of a mare that I showed called Tell Us About This Cat, um, she's been pretty much pretty easy to train for the most part. But she's tough to get ready, so shout out my girlfriend. Hey, Steph. <laughs> for putting in the extra time to get her ready. It was a good run. It was a tough finals. The cows were really tough. And I just tried to be clean, cut my cows clean, and be accurate, not make any mistakes. Uh, kind of like we've heard people talk on here, like stay out of the penalty box. Just do what the cow does and no more. And she's been working really good. She was really good at the derby. Uh had a little tough luck in the finals and lost my third cow right before the buzzer. and uh, But she continued staying working good, and I was really happy with her and confident. Um, she's gotten easier as the year has gone on, and I think that's just maturity, and she's starting to understand her job and what the goal is when we're down there. So, What about what, – what do you – where would you compare her to Fancy last year as Fancy was a four-year-old? Like right there with her, a little ahead of her, a little behind her? Uh, do you or do you even compare the two? Um, so Fancy was Iggy Ray Azalea, a uh, mare that I showed that is a year older. And Colburn was around when I was training her as a three-year-old. Were so. you third on her at the fraternity? Yeah. Uh, marked a 220 and was – third brandon westfall marked at 21 and chad bouchon bittersweet champions of that but um she's a lot stronger than fancy was fancy was always a real accurate mare um and on a good cow you can make her go run and stop it and she could stop really hard but she wasn't able to do it as easy as this mare is so and i feel like i learned some things that made Iggy Razelia not make as many finals as she should have that were my fault. And I feel like I've tried to change those and, and be more consistent myself. So it's easier on my horses as well. Yes, sir. You the man. I'm proud of both of y'all. <laughs> hey, thanks, man. Yeah, overall. Yeah, it was a fun show. Great show. Yeah. I mean, we did well. Ty Moore, our good friend, also did well. Three of us uh, that Cass are re really good friends. Yeah, Cass Tatum. But three of us that are really good friends all won the Henry rifles, myself, Cody, and Ty. So that we thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and those rifles are awesome that they yeah, give those I mean, away too. It's just a That's... cool, cool prize that isn't really that common anymore. I feel like oh. you're not really going to see many guns being given away in general, but especially at a cutting horse event, is a cool, cool prize that I'll always have and I'll always remember. But Julie Jarma, I mean, she had a great show too. Yes. I thought it was super cool that. She hopped aboard blackish and not only for her first time. Yeah, not only got to show her, but straight up killed it. Marked a two twenty three in the go round and then came I think had some tough luck in the regular non pro finals and then came back in the intermediate later on and uh, won that championship. And I mean, what's there to say about Hot Heels? He's just sweet. I mean, he's just as cool as there is and and what he's done and in both the open and the non pro says a whole lot about his training. He was originally trained by our good friend Justin Chalmers and uh, what Lloyd's gone on to do with him as uh, nothing short of greatness. So I uh, definitely wanted to make note of 
Julie Jarma and what her horses did. And also the Carpenters, man. Yeah. Um, pretty yeah, cool that rider. both the brothers, Ryder and Cash, um, were both winners. I know that made their mom, Miss Penny Cogdell Carpenter, super proud. Um, she's always at all the Amarillo shows and at as many of the Fort Worth shows as she can be at. And a Section on her K boys. listener. Yeah, she loves Section K, um, loves cutting and loves her horses and loves watching her boys show them. So um, she's another great ambassador to cutting and, and someone that, that the NCHA needs. And we need more people like the Cogdell family and more people like the Carpenters because they are great people. As you know, CBL, you've known them a whole lot longer than I have. I've been fortunate enough to – to meet Ryder and meet a bunch of the Cogdell family through you. So we all know how awesome that family is. Amen. I thought the three-year-olds looked really good at the West Texas. Overall, I I didn't get there until um, later on after the fraternity went on, but I watched a lot of the webcast, and overall, I thought the three-year-olds looked really good. I thought that blues man that Taryn won one on was super cool he had another metallic cat that i think he was in the finals on that that dotty hill also owns yep uh, super cool horse um his horses looked really good uh it was really funny i was talking to brett mclaughlin this is just sums up the the fraternity training process but he was like dude i scratched her i entered her and i scratched her <laughs> and i entered it again he's like yeah. i was just back and forth he was like was working good then was working bad working good he was just like and I just started to show it, and then I won. He was just like that. Kind of sums up how everybody is feeling. I feel like about their about their three year olds this time of year, just unsure. Well, yeah, and it, then they had the second chance uh, fraternity deal where if you didn't do good or if you missed the bubble in the first round, you could pay another five hundred dollars. I think it was, and Tatum won that on their three year old and. That's he, another small fraternity horse to watch for the rest of yeah. the year. That's a good looking horse. Yeah, she's Sweet. pretty nice. And but he turned around and won the second chance deal, and then won eighteen hundred dollars or something like that, whatever the money was, jackpotted. But I thought it was a cool little different spin on things to enter a horse that you know you might be going into the small fraternities that you really like, and you have a little tough luck or you get a bad draw and cows run over you or whatever. You can pay another five hundred bucks and go again and. You're not going to be able to make the finals, but you'll be able to make some money that's jackpotted for the other second chance horses. For sure. So, yeah, the non-fraternity too. I thought Ty Moore tweezing my brow. Another one of Lloyd's horses looked really good. The last thing I would like to add to that is um, I hope everybody realizes how crazy to even think about someone having a really good three-year-old at this time of the year. And also hauling down the road all the time, going to, to open shows. And uh, Taryn went in the open fraternity. And then, I mean, he's been on the road, it seems like, nearly the entire year. I know they kind of had a little bit of a break during uh, the Fort Worth show, during the Derby. But uh, I think it says a lot about Taryn coming to the West Texas fraternity and winning the three-year-old and then also having gotcha in the open and obviously doing really good on him. Yeah, and I think it says a whole lot about his entire team from Garrett at oh, home yeah. taking care of stuff to Katie and raising the kids and getting gotcha ready and, and Evan and Reed behind the scenes doing whatever they need to get done. I think it's a Bonnie's whole, a superstar. Yeah, I mean <laughs> they're they're just great great team, good good group of good group of folks to be around and yeah, you're right, CBL. Fixing uh, to go on tour too. Yeah, fixed to go on, on tour. Yeah, to Idaho and and then Rancho. Yes, sir. 
Good luck to everybody that's going out there yep. for that. Adon Banuela, so I was talking to him. They're heading out that way. Chris Harrison, who went to uh, Oregon. Oregon. They're gonna be and thoughts out there. and prayers to all the lopers that have to make the drive <laughs> out there safe and travels. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. Well, congratulations to all the winners, all the champions at the West Texas Futurity. It was a great show. Um, from the cutting, we went over on Saturday night and – enjoyed an Amarilla sod poodles game Soddies. uh cbl as everyone has heard is uh one of his favorite pastimes is going to hodgetown and hanging out with his homies out in left field drinking a handful of coors lights and uh watching some Cold baseball fruit. so we we contributed to some of that on saturday had a good old-fashioned time myself cody uh, Danielle, who works for Cody's dad, Rock, and Alexis Steffes, Kat Goodfried and her boyfriend. Um, Alexis actually knew one of the managers, I guess it was, for yeah. the Frisco Rough Riders. Joe Micklick, yeah, she's known him for a little while. Yeah, so it was cool to have that connection. We got some tickets and went and enjoyed the game. CBL, what were your thoughts having Section K boys at Hodgetown? Yeah, I, I mean, the biggest thing is I'm – was happy you guys got to meet some of my really good friends that were there not all of them were there but uh some of them you guys have known just through social media and you guys kind of finally got to meet some of them and uh i i don't know that was cool for me to see you guys get along so good with some guys that i think a lot of yeah no it was fun to meet meet todd and meet old kale lane those yeah, two guys kale lane, some, he's a superstar some good old-fashioned corn-fed panhandle boys <laughs> big old boys that's what people don't realize is i feel like the it doesn't matter what it is where i go I'm panhandle people they're just taller raised on home I cooking mean, just stouter than everyone just like look it's like too they far to go eat somewhere deadlift so. your truck like home cooking <laughs> but i thought hodgetown man super cool stadium yeah. for a minor league park and you don't just even the, feel like you're in amarillo texas no i mean just the atmosphere of the whole of the whole thing I thought was super cool. I mean, the stadium was packed. The seats were full from left field, uh, the grassy knoll area out there to people hanging out in left field. Uh, it was packed. And I mean, it was no offense to the, to the sod poodles. I'm a pretty big rock hounds fan, but they got their doors blown off too. And I mean, everyone's still stuck around. So yeah. shout out Amarillo. They're just some loyal, good baseball loving fans. And, and man, it was just, it was just a fun atmosphere and a fun place to watch a game. Yep, and shout out Joe Micklick of the Frisco Rough Riders for the tickets. That was awesome. We sat right behind the away dugout and in the shade right as uh, start time. So, Most importantly. Yeah, that was very, very important. So, yeah, it was a good time, fun time. Do something different while we're in Amarillo instead of staying up late, getting horses ready, getting up early, getting horses work, all that. Well, that too, and I feel like it was fun too. Most of the time, all three of us, when we're together, we are always at a show or we are in Fort Worth doing something and we don't get to go enjoy a sports event like that. So yeah. I think we're going to And we all and, really enjoy sports anyway. So yeah. it's We need to make a point to do that go. more. Definitely need to yeah. make a point to do that more. Oh, show. So big thanks to Alexis, too, for the, for the hookup yep. and inviting us and asking us to go. So can't thank her enough. It was a great time. And uh, – yeah, good time at the Saudis game. I was just about to say that too, and then you guys interrupted. <laughs> now I look like the. 
While there was a lot of cutting horse action going on across the country, there was a whole lot going on on social media. Um, I feel like that's an understatement when it comes to just the amount of topics that are being discussed and the amount of theories that are being thrown around and um, yeah, just everything that's going on with the limiting of horses that are going to be able to be shown at aged events and um, the non-pro proposal, non-pro committee proposal uh, for the two-class structure. There was a whole lot going on and a whole lot of opinions and I feel like a whole lot of misconstrued opinions, including myself. I mean, there's just a whole lot to decipher from all that's going on and what to make of what's going on. And, um, we weren't all together kind of whenever it all broke, you were gone to Amarillo CBL obviously lives up there. Um, he was taking care of a bunch of stuff and we, we just kind of wanted to get our ducks in a row and, and really contemplate, uh, what's kind of been going on. And I mean, I wanted to really understand what's going on before I made any opinions and hell I still don't really have any opinions about it all because in the long run I'm still going to show up and cut and I'm still going to show up and enter so uh, regardless of what happens I'm going to love everybody and I want to be around so um, what were you guys thoughts on kind of what's going on well you and I talked about it quite a bit um, and we talked about it with Colburn a little bit when he came down but uh Basically, what they're doing is just limiting the the class or the horses you can show, and and your limited age events on the weekends, and and I'm pretty sure by now you've been you've seen the rule at some point. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably have seen the rule at some point. But it, I see good things and bad things. I mean, yes, it it limits people from having a barn full of good open horses because now they can only take and show two or three at these other cuttings and two at Fort Worth. But then it also gives other people that don't have those horses a shot to show them because there's going to be owners that still want their horses showed. And it's the problem is, is it got misconstrued very, very early on. And there was a lot of opinions that were thrown around and they didn't have all the facts. And just like you said, Everybody loving everybody. Like, we can't be trying to make changes in this business for the better without being accepting of other people's ideas and opinions. If we're going to argue all the time, we're just going to keep going in this vicious circle. And I think that was the sentiment of a lot of people at Amarillo. Once the fires kind of got put out and everybody talked about it, it was, man, these are just ideas. And... Yes, this has been talked about at the convention. You were there this year when we talked about it in the limited age meeting or whatever it was. And and yes, I understand not everybody gets to go to the convention. They don't get to see what goes on in those meetings. They don't get to hear about every conversation that's talked about. But that doesn't mean you got to chop people's heads off when they are presented with a lot of information and they decide to make a decision. And obviously it was, there was a lot of people on the EC that thought about this quite a bit because the vote was nine to four, nine being yes, four, no. 
but what are what are your thoughts cbl i mean you live up in the panhandle and and there's part of this that is going to be tough because it's going to hurt the the weekend shows at first and and i think we're going to see a an immediate decline when it does happen however i think later on it could change so i mean mainly from both sides of it there's things that i love about it and i like i see the reasoning for the the votes yes but in in the same instance i i had i can argue why you should be say no but like for the weekend part of it i just feel like there's so many places across the united states that don't necessarily have the number of horse trainers but they do have some and those are the ones that are showing in the four-year-old or the five-six at the weekends and they also could not go to the bigger aged events but they go to these weekend shows that have the aged events and putting a limit on those people and that's a way they make money and not necessarily having as many horses as the the bigger horse trainers i i feel like there's an issue in that it but with that being said another thing with limit limiting the number of horses at the age events outside of fort worth i think that the reason why someone is like at the very top they have to have incentive to keep going and being at the top and and having a cap for someone being the best is i mean there's there's kind of a fine line there because once you us i mean i'm a big supporter of the the intermediate and comers yeah and intermediate in the open and and letting those guys have a chance to reach to the top but you have to those young guys you also have they have to look at it and see like if i'm if i ever get to be lloyd cox or austin shepherd i i'm then being uh i would say penalized for being that good and having uh the ability to show a lot of horses now i'm not i don't necessarily agree with 10 horses i mean i think that's kind of crazy but um some of those guys they dang sure have plus three horses that are dang sure good enough for them to show and now and with that too i mean it gives it a, a chance to have these big time open riders hiring big time assistant trainers which i think it would be awesome keeping those horses in the barn and then and then them knowing that they have to have a big time assistant trainer uh, right behind them so those horses stay in the barn we'll look at Bo and rodrigo i mean yeah i mean exactly they're like a they're, match made i feel in like heaven. they're and i feel like they're just Bo's just a little ahead of everybody on that it uh because i mean look what's happening there i mean right in front of our eyes i mean rodrigo toboga i mean dude that guy's legit yeah, and there's some horses that Bose told me about that he does not get along with that Rodrigo does, and Rodrigo's winning on them, and Rodrigo's marking 20s on them or 25s winning championships. I mean, you're right. Bo is ahead of that, and I think that's a perfect example of just a trainer-apprentice kind of relationship than how it should go is is a, having having someone that, that works for you that you are super confident in and you can leave and go on a trip during during the open derby of one of the triple crown events and leave your string of horses here and i mean look what that guy did pretty amazing that's why we wanted to talk about it on the podcast because 
there's a bunch of different ways to look at it. Everybody's got a position. And it doesn't work for everybody everywhere, but that's the kind of feedback that we need as as the NCHA and as that the powers that be and make these decisions need is for you guys to get out there and talk about this and, and share your ideas because a lot of it's mums the word until they make a decision and then everybody shoots them down. And we can't have that either. We have a great staff in, in the office right now, Kurt and all them people in there – they're doing a great job doing and they're, the best they can. they're trying to make, make the NCHA great again. And we have a great group of people in the committees and, and it's, it's the same for that too. I mean, everybody's in there. That it's a volunteer deal. Nobody is. I mean, as far as I can see, I mean, there's very few people that walk in there with agendas and, and it's a, everybody's trying to do what's best for the people that they feel they represent. And that's where we all have to get on the same level and agree to disagree but also be able to talk about it that's one of the easiest things and one one of the best things to to progress and i feel like in in this world is you don't have to agree with the person but you definitely can take parts of their idea and merge it with another part of another idea and create what's best for the ncha well, that, and I feel like just healthy debates are super important from here on out. And I mean, it's not, it might sound corny, it may sound stupid, but I mean, we all need to voice our opinions, but we all need to do it in a healthy and a respectful way. And we don't need to be a-holes about it because I mean, sure, it is a lot of people's livelihoods at stake and there are people's livings and people trying to support their families and support their kids. I mean, you can't argue with that. And I mean, for me, it's just a hobby. So it's like hard for a lot of people. I feel like to grasp the the fact that for one person, it may be a hobby, but for another person, it's a living and it's a way they raise their family and it's a way that of life. I mean, so I feel like that's super important. We just need to kind of take everyone's opinions and respect them. And well, we I, all argue. I mean, us three, we, absolutely. we, we debate every single oh, yeah. day, whether it's about, podcast stuff or whether it's about why Zeke Elliott is a stupid idiot. I mean, (laughs) so, but at the end of the day, Dak Prescott needs 40 million, but at the end of the day, we all reconvene and yeah, it's all good. I mean, I feel like that's, that's, that's my kind of motto for the coming weeks is like, it's all good guys. Like it's all good. (laughs) Well, and that's, that's what I felt about the the non-pro proposal that we, we came up with. Obviously I'm on the non-pro committee and I was a part of, of our committee uh, putting this proposal together of the two-class structure and and leveling it with two extra levels and protecting a bottom level, bottom two levels. And there's a lot of other stats and numbers that I could get into, but it's really hard when you don't have the material in front of you, so I'm not even going to bore you with all that. But, but, I mean, our goal as a non-pro committee is to help the non-pro. And what we're trying to do is help everybody that is a non-pro which is anybody that shows whether you're in the amateur or not and grow the class or the class is and also protect an entry-level area so everybody has a place to cut and we've seen and it was just an idea we've seen it go on with the nrcha goes on in the aqha there's a lot of other associations that use it and we've been talking about it for a couple years and we came up with a proposal, and we didn't vet a whole lot of entry data or anything like that. We just had general numbers of 
the general of everybody's money won. And, uh, but I feel like we got kind of crucified for it. Like we were trying to be self-serving and that, and that's not the case at all. I mean, there's a lot of different things that are going on in the NCHA right now. And we're all trying to make it better one step at a time. And ours was just an idea. Yeah, no, a proposal. <laughs> that was the main key. And, and I, I kind of read it briefly, but I mean, I show in the amateur, but I also compete in the non-pro and I've had a lot of success in the non-pro. I've made five, six-year-old non-pro finals at the super stakes and at the BI and made tons of limit. I mean, I have more limited non-pro finalist buckles in my closet than I do amateur fraternity finals buckles. So I don't know. I feel like there's just, again, so many differing opinions and yeah, and I understand different situations and everybody's situation is different. There's, I mean, there's people that don't start cutting until they're later on in their 40s, 50s, later on in their life. There's people that have grown up doing it. There's people that didn't start cutting until they married their spouse, and now they really enjoy it, and they want a spot to cut too, but hadn't done anything with it for the first part of their life, and it's all new to them. And and there's a there's so many different avenues. Our, our industry is one of the biggest industries of Western riding. Um, we've had the biggest payouts for a long, long time. And we have a lot of cuttings all over the United States, and they all pay. And <clears throat> and so we have to be very, very aware of the amount of people that cut and want to cut and want to do it on a big level and want to do it at the weekend level. And that's what's hard is juggling all these moving parts for the NCHA to get on the right track again and start growing like we were 10, 15 years ago. I just can't echo how many different perspectives there are from a owner's perspective to a producer's perspective to a trainer's perspective to a breeder's perspective. There's just so many different ways to look at it. And with that, it's just going to be super hard to make everyone happy and for everyone to agree. So, And for the masses to be happy, there's going to be a lot of people that have to give something up. And there's going to have a lot of people that benefit from the rule changes and it's all going to work itself out. It's going to be new whenever it changes, whether it's leveling, whether it's two-class structure, whether it's limiting horses, whether it's whatever. It's going to be weird in the beginning because it's not how it's been. But how it's been has needed to change for a little while now. So. And, I mean, you guys pretty much covered everything. And uh, I think the only thing that I will add to it is – in my opinion, the two-class structure will be very beneficial to the NCHA. And I know that that's some people are definitely not going to agree with me saying that, but that's just uh, what I feel about it because uh, it, it makes the top, top amateurs compete against maybe the lower bottom non-pros and uh, it's not – I think some people look at it as, well, I – I'm an amateur, maybe mid-amateur level of a rider, and now you're wanting me to compete against Cody Hedlund, and that's just not the case of it. And I just hope people understand that that's not what they're trying to do with it. Couldn't agree more. I mean, you can't yeah. level people's amount of time that they have to put into the sport. You can't level people's pocketbooks. I mean, it's just 
There's the so only many. thing you can level in the fairest way possible is money one. And I think as long as we keep trying to keep it along those lines of, you know, using the revolving doors and, and trying to implement those and top rider lists and all this other stuff that is going to help the leveling work. But the fairest way possible is always to just how much, how much have you done for me lately? How good have you been lately? Or, no, or how, it, it, how good have you been all throughout your life? And that's where you're going to be. And that rule right there is very important too because there's some people that get a really good horse and maybe are a really good showman, but they're not always going to have the really good horses all the time. So being able to do really good on a horse and then maybe struggle for a couple years or three years and then be able to kind of change where you're, you're being able to show I think is a is a really really good thing. I couldn't agree more. A good horse is a good horse, and a good run is a good run. I don't really think it matters the class or the arena or the show. I mean, you go down there and you do your job, and you have a good horse, and it I'm makes good. everything so much easier. They're gonna and pay you. Can you win a lot it. of money on a really good horse. Yes, sir. Well, and like we've said before, sometimes, sometimes there's riders that get good horses and maybe that horse is better than they are at the time and then yeah. they struggle when that horse ages out for a couple of years because now they're in they have to show in different classes or higher level classes well it gives you a chance to you know maybe not go as hard if you don't have a horse and, and you can fall back down a couple levels and and then start back up in the intermediate and just i mean the revolving yeah, and doors what, and the leveling that's what and, i was trying to say yeah is exactly what you said there I mean, that's what, exactly what I was meaning. I figured that's why I was trying to help you out. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, exactly. Just like in the NCHA, which is what we all need to do. I feel like we could talk about this all day. Oh, yeah, we could every day. definitely um, go on and on about all these proposals and what all's going on. But we have a great interview with Ms. Carol Ward. Um, she's Everyone knows her. You've seen her in the winner's circle. You've seen her putting on shows. Uh, she's just a great ambassador to the sport of cut, cutting and um, all around the world yeah, and all the Macurias. Yeah, just unbelievable woman and unbelievable uh, human being that's associated with the NCHA and associated with cutting and associated with raising horses. And um, enjoy this interview with Carol Ward. This interview of the Section K podcast is brought to you by Dennis Moreland Tack. Tack handcrafted by Cowboys for Cowboys. For 43 years and counting, since 1976, Dennis has built high-quality tack for training, working, and showing. Get the best. Get your tack at Dennis Moreland Tack. Visit www.dmtack.com. We are joined with one of the greatest ambassadors of the great sport of cutting, Ms. Carol Ward, Ms. Carol Anderson Ward, I should say. Um, just finished up showing her great gilding crafty with cows here at the NCHA Metallic Cat Summer Spectacular. Um, Carol, thanks so much for taking the time and coming by the Section K podcast. We greatly appreciate it. How are you today? Welcome, oh, Carol. boy. Today is a wonderful day. It's going to be the last time that my gilding gets to show in this arena and a major event and making the finals this morning. I am I'm pretty high on cutting. It's pretty uh, awesome, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Especially with a great gilding like Crafty. Oh, he's so cool. Yeah, he's been unbelievable for you. He's won 
four hundred and or three hundred and eighty-seven thousand dollars as of today, and it's gonna rack up some more going into Wowzes. unlimited amateur <laughs> yeah. finals here this week. But just talk a little bit about Crafty, kind of what it's been like to own an animal like that, and just a horse with just a great personality and one that can go down there and mark mm. scores like he can do. Well, he's just truly honest. You know, he's not only a, a gifted athlete, but he loves his job and. You know, nothing's forced with him. It's just sitting there and letting him do his thing and getting him cut clean. And that's, you know, that's the only thing you have to worry about. And his family is um, an interesting family. They got me probably started in the business. His mother was one of the first two-year-olds I ever bought. And um, she was actually supposed to be for my late husband. And he passed away and never got to put a leg over So, um I inherited a pretty nice mare, and she got hurt getting out of a trailer once fairly early, so she had a little bit of winning, but knew we had a lot of potential and a great horse to ride, and so we started the breeding program really with that mare. Um, there's some other interesting individuals in the family. There's um, little Dulcie Lou, who's was afraid of cows her whole life and wasn't that easy to show, but very dynamic. And, and uh, How much did she win? She won about two hundred and twenty-five thousand, and and mostly um, after she was out of the aged event, she got hurt early in her four-year-old year. Um, fell and had hairline fractures in both hind tibias, um, so we gave her that year off, and uh, you know, so we missed a lot of good cutting with her. Um, but it's it's just been a dynamic, wonderful, fun family, and they're all they've all got big personalities, and um, it it keeps me going back. What are some of your favorite runs kind of from his aged event career, whether it be you or RL or whoever it was in the saddle? Kind of what are some of your runs that you'll always remember kind of through Crafty's aged event career? Well, I, I think the uh, the three-year-old finals run, um, he was you know third to a couple of great horses and um, just a very honest, hard you know, three-year-old going to stop that cow no matter what run. Um, and he's carried that through. You know, a lot of those horses that are really good that early aren't as good when they get to be six. And he's just gotten better and, you know, kinder. And um, I guess I think it was last year I won the Unlimited on him. And um, I was turning him around, and I looked over, and I think it was uh, I think it was Corey Pounds. And I said, oh, this is fun. He says, fun here wait till you get down there and walk into the cows i remember that and just relaxed and you know it's it's just there's nothing like riding down there on one you have so much confidence in so as we stated he was third at the ncha fraternity and and rl and both there and they had a lot of success on him in the open and you've had a lot of success on him in the non-pro and amateur events what uh are you more excited to go show him, or are you more excited to watch RL in an open finals? Oh, I'm much more excited to go show him. <laughs> <laughs> and RL's been wonderful about sharing the horse. Yep. You know, some trainers have a hard time sharing a good horse. Well, RL has been you know, wonderful about, you know, now he's your horse, you go show him. And, and he know. stayed good for both of you. I mean, oh, yeah, just he, as good. Oh, yeah, I think you could put a monkey on his back. <laughs> <laughs> That's, well, why for me, a, that's, that's why he's a great horse. That's the most mm-hmm. impressive thing for me is just a horse that can go win in the open, win in the non-pro, win in the unlimited amateur, stay sound, stay pure, 
stay honest is the word you've been using. I think that's the most impressive thing for me as someone who shows in the unlimited amateur and rides behind a trainer and, and tries to keep them pure, so to speak, and not mess them up. I mean, that's the most impressive thing for me is just keeping one for three years and it yeah. it's staying good all well, the way through. And the amazing thing is I had somebody that really wanted the horse right after his, his three-year-old run, and he actually went sore for two weeks and didn't get sold. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so it was a blessing he to knew. have him come up just, <laughs> just you know, sore for two weeks and, and miss the vetting and, the, you know, that kind the of big s- money. That kind of sums up the personality <laughs> that, that Katie Fachinconi, uh Crafty's caretaker, kind of was telling me about. She was like, if if Crafty could, could get on the mic, I bet he'd, he'd have a few choice words to say about me and kind of the stuff that I make him do. So <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I bet he just was playing the game. He didn't want to go anywhere. He knew. I'm sure he didn't want to go anywhere. I mean, <laughs> nobody gets more cookies than he gets from Katie. That's for sure. So yeah, he's staying he's put as long too. as he can. In fact, you know, the joke right now is, you know, what's RL going to do for a loper when he goes out of the aged event and comes back to California? Because you know, he and Katie are pretty inseparable. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. So, Carol, you've been a great ambassador to the sport of cutting, producing shows, um, raising horses, entering horses. Um, talk a little bit about your show, kind of what's gone into um, wanting to produce a show, what's gone into the Marietta Event Center, and kind of what's driven you to, to do all of that, you know? Well, if you want to go back to the beginning of the Equestrian Center, and I guess that's where it all starts... Um, originally, I was buying yearling racehorses and raising racehorses, and we, we built a training track that was a, a match to the Santa Anita old training track on the property. And I no sooner had 50-some horses in, in training and mostly for sales and customers, and the simulcast bill went through in California, which made the off-track, the uh, you know free training spot for uh, racehorses. Well, at the same time, those fairs that were doing horse shows started making simulcast money and kicked out all the horse shows. So, no, I'm not stupid, so <laughs> I started putting on horse shows, and the racehorse business pretty much dried up. Um, stayed in it for quite a few years, but we didn't do the racetrack training. We started building the horse show business, which, you know, looking back now, has been a wonderful you know, thing to have had happen. Absolutely. Um, we do 50-some horse shows a year now. Um, hundreds of thousands of people come through there. Um, it's given a place for a horse to earn a living. And whether that's with a blue ribbon or a big check, you know, it doesn't really matter as long as somebody's caring for a horse and respecting its ability and has a place to go showcase what they're learning and what they're doing. You know, we're, we're really big on um, youth out there. We have that West Coast Equine Foundation that really runs the horse show um, operation. Um, little Marianne Sabotin is nails at getting everything right for every group that comes in. And, you know, every week we're, we're changing, you know, something for a new group. Um, but there was a little cutting that uh, was going by the wayside, the old... Um, I think it was wine country, and I thought, well, we can do a cutting. You know, we do other shows. Why not a cutting? Well, and what year was this in? This was in 07, and uh, I had tried to sell the facility after my husband died, and um, it 
I ended up getting it back, and I thought, well, okay, it was kind of like, you know, <laughs> the horse missing the bedding, and, <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's back, now what do we do? Um, so I built the cutting facility, and, um, I, you know, I'm glad, I'm, I'm really glad we did, but I really thought I was just going to be another little filler event, you know, with Pacific Coast having the main events. Well, I'm the last major cutting left in California. And uh, I'd like to see a few more come back. Um, you know, we have a, that new show that's part of the Way Out West series in Oregon that uh, Julie Clark's doing. I think that's going to help us. And I think putting that with Idaho and my show with that series, you know, will help all of us. Um, we just think it's a great place to cut. We have the weather to cut outside, which is a novelty for Texans. And, uh, you know, this area. And unless you've cut outside, you're really not in what's natural for the the cow and you know, I I think it's something we need to keep going because it is something that's different um, Pacific Coast has been a wonderful association to deal with um, they've helped me in every way that they can um, and, and we've kept it successful um, I built a hotel out there too to you know because I want everything for that show and for the shows at Marietta that are what I look for while I'm on the road. So it has a spa and it <laughs> has a restaurant. It has a bourbon bar. It has, you know, everything that I, I think. And close to the cutting. And, yeah, walking, Marietta and walking distance. Go check it out as uh, soon as possible. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I think we're already booked for this year. Hey. But we're, we're going we're gonna to add some condo units down the road here. So, um and I just I just think there's more to cutting than just cutting, and and a lot of that's the people. It's um, it's always a learning experience. It's never the same. You know, it's almost like I used to play a lot of tennis, and it's playing the net in tennis. You better be able to, you know, change what you're, what you think's going to happen, and be able to react quickly to survive. And um, we're you know we're we're just trying to make it so it's fun, and it's competitive, and it's. Mm, has a lot of integrity. Well, just from an outsider's perspective, as someone who's spent time in Southern California and spent time in Northern California, but never with my horses, it's kind of a bucket list cutting that I have to hit after watching the webcast and seeing some of the images of the sunsets behind the cattle and and people walking to the herd and their awesome looking sunglasses in the middle of the day i mean it's a place that i have to have to get to and i mean just the camaraderie and the, the relationships that people have made out there i mean hearing some of the stories that both you guys have talked about going out there eating pizza at the end of every day it's just like it makes me want to get out there so well, there's a lot of parties going on in the <laughs> RV park, too. Yeah, that's Always. where a lot of the pizza goes. <laughs> but bring your sunscreen because, you know, we are out in the sun. Um, but it, that's what makes it fun. I mean, people really get together and spend time together. And I don't mean to knock the shows here because there's some wonderful opportunities. And, you know, we love it here, too. But there is more time to get together and really have a support group within the cutting. And uh, we we want to we want to make sure we keep that going too. Well, for me, cutting should be more destination based. I mean, I guess it used to be back in the day talking about Burbank and Polo Ranch and 
and Augusta, Steamboat, Georgia. Augusta, Georgia. I mean, everybody used to go to Augusta after the fraternity, and it's kind of just like, well, we don't really have to go there because there's 15 right here within 30 miles, 40 miles of Fort Worth, Texas. So to me, cutting is a hobby, and I want to see cutting get back to being a destination and, I mean, going places where the weather's nice or going somewhere where it's beautiful scenery and cutting in front of a backdrop like the – I mean – what more could you ask for being somewhere right there south of L.A. in between L.A. and San Diego and cutting outside and it being sometimes 80 degrees, sometimes 100 degrees, I've heard. But <laughs> yeah, hey, it can get warm. It's part, I mean, yeah. it's part of it. I think it'd be tons of fun. I can't wait to get out there. Explain the Way Out West series and what the three of you guys have um, joined together and done there. Well, since we lost the Macurias, and you know, thank you to Daniel Yegi for all he did for so many years. You know, it's, it, we can't replace what he was able to do. But we also have a group of really more weekend cutters out there that we wanted to be able to showcase. And you know, we'd left out the amateurs before, so the Cascades and Idaho and I are doing 10,000 in the open, non-pro, and amateur at all three shows and bringing in the weekend. I'm also doing three days of weekend events with my show this year. Um, we've lost some of our weekend shows and, and we need to make that up. We need to make sure that we, we have those opportunities for people too. And my daughter started showing this year. I was my <laughs> non-horsey child until October. And then she said, Mom, I want to ride. And I said, well, okay, what? <laughs> and, of course, she said, spooked by a cat, who was my non-pro horse. And I said, well, really? But she's doing quite well. And my husband's doing fine in the 50. They're having a great time. And they're up in uh, New Mexico today. Shout out Cossack Cat, and that how you say it? Uh, yeah, Cossack yeah. Cat. He he won the fifty today, and cool. So congratulations, David. Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> so you know they're probably as over the top with cutting right now as as I am, and um, it's um it's it's pretty interesting being the support crew because I've been following them around weekend shows and not really showing, but. Uh, loping and cleaning the stalls and washing boots and you know <laughs> doing the therapy work and you know I kind of like that end of it too. You mentioned Mercuria and how they are no longer doing those events. Tell us how much you think that the Mercuria helped grow your event and the Idaho event. Oh, it absolutely made it. Um, it, it took it over the top. Um, and, and really, I think the effect we're going to feel is the, um, the value for horses coming out of the aged event. We're going to lose a lot of that value because they don't have that Mercuria possibility. So hopefully this, what we're doing out there with the, the Way Out West series, will help that a bit. But um, we can't replace what Daniel did. And I don't think we've thanked him enough or been appreciative enough to he and and Chubby Turner, what he did to to push that forward, um, it's kind of it's really made me a much better show person um, for having that experience. You know, I did pretty well in it, and, absolutely. Um, <laughs> for yeah, a bunch of years. Yeah, on a couple of different horses. And, yep. Well, that's kind of why I wrote down "spooked by a kit," "spooked by a cat," because that's kind of my first memories of you is 
tuning into the webcast and seeing Carol Anderson Ward on Spook by a Cat and marking a 222 in the first go round of whether it be Nampa or whether it be Rancho or Pacific Coast Futurity. I mean, it didn't matter. It seemed like everywhere I looked, you and old Spook by a Cat were lighting up the scoreboard. <laughs> well, there was one that uh, Mary Jo wasn't at, and I remember sitting there looking down at the the rest of people looking at the cattle and I thought oh I could be that one's mother and that one's grandmother and that one's you know and, <laughs> and I'm thinking I'm getting old here look at these kids and you know we have Langston that just marked uh, 19 and knocked me out of leading that round <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean we and it really makes me determined to have this sport for those kids yes you know I like to go beat them as long as I can but we really have to preserve this lifestyle um, for those kids you know that are they're they're gifted they're working hard they're they're our future what about what are some or who are some of the trainers or people showmen that from the beginning have taught you lessons and showing and helped your confidences who are the people that stick out well there was a Pacific Coast was putting on a cutting at my my place in, oh, I want to say, 1996. And I was standing there with a group of people, and I said, you know, that looks like fun. You know, I'd really like to do that someday. And I used to ride jumpers, and I was raising my kids, and I'd taken a lot of time off. And... and uh, Rod Weemers, who's a local trainer, was standing there, and he said, you come on down here on Tuesday, and I'll, I'm going to put you on a horse. And I said, yeah, okay. So I went down and put on a horse. He put me on a little horse that we worked the flag, and he said, come back tomorrow. And I said, okay. And I went back the next day, and we cut a cow. And two weeks later, I bought one. <laughs> <laughs> bought this horse. He was 20 years old and just taught me the basics. And... Um, then I started buying, well, I didn't know any difference, and I bought an aged event horse, a little horse named Traveling Santa Lena, won about 100000 and I, oh, here's a little side story. Everybody kept saying, you know, someday you have to go to Texas, right? I thought, okay. <laughs> so I load up and go to Texas. I don't know any better. And enter the amateur I ride down there mark a 121 my first round and I'm saying well this isn't very hard you know <laughs> well my dad had just passed away and I make the finals and the first two cows in the finals are just like the first three I cut and the you know the go round and I'm thinking well this is not too bad but I look up I have 16 seconds left and I go to chip this cow that just runs over me well I had asked my dad once why we grew up on a cow one ranch and he said I was starting to make money and I knew those cows would keep you humble well I'm riding out of there and all I could hear was my dad's voice saying see I told you they'd keep you humble <laughs> and, I mean I'm laughing when I you know got out of the arena and I just went well thanks dad that's not the way I really wanted to, to have that happen but it was it was such a wonderful experience I could not wait to come back and then so the next time I came back was on um, Crafty's mom and it was um, you know a long long road since then but it sure has been fun absolutely so for somebody that maybe has not been to a Mercury event or never shown in a Mercury event you have been a great ambassador for the NCHA and PCCHA like we said but you also 
were a great ambassador for the Mercury events, and they were all over the United States and in, in Canada. Explain to somebody the feeling of showing in a Mercuria finals and how much fun you had traveling all around, going to those cuttings at different places. Oh, my gosh. I, I saw more of the country than I ever expected. Um, let me talk about Calgary a little bit because that's really been wonderful That's been your show, me. too. Well, you, you've done very well with that show. Yeah, well, <laughs> so for two years I went on Crafty's sister, the, the little Dulcie Lear. Little Dulce Lumaire. And the third year, they had built their whole new arena. I mean, it was beautiful, and the place was just packed. And I make the finals, and I'm riding down there really confident, and Cowboy Wants coming up to the top, and I go to make my cut, and this thing slam dunks me to the corner. Well, riding down there, they're talking about how much money I'd won, how much, you know, this was going to be my third deal, the whole thing. You know, I mean, they, they built it up, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm bigger than life here. <laughs> it was actually making me a little nervous. Well, I get slammed into the corner, and it felt like the crowd sucked the air out of that arena. It just went, <gasps> you know, and I went, oh, so I just turned around and grabbed a cow and cut it and, you know, threw her down, and she was awesome. And they all went, oh, you know. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, that brings you back to reality and, you know, adds a little humility. And uh, the next year I came back and, and won it with uh, Spooked by a Cat. But it, <laughs> it it's always um, a different experience than you expect when you're riding down there. You know, because I probably had more confidence right then and knew that cow that was going to the top and, you know, everything should have worked perfectly. And sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes it's more memorable when it doesn't. So that's cutting. Some days you're the bug, some days you're the windshield. Mm -hmm. That's what I always (laughs) say. Yeah. You mentioned Calgary, but what was, and also besides your own cutting, because we've talked about many finals runs at El Rancho in the Mercuria, but what was one of your other favorite Mercuria events? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, I, one of them was Idaho. I had a really good run at Idaho one year, and it was the one that I was looking down at everybody else that was, you know, had made the finals, and I was feeling like, you know, gosh, I'm getting old. <laughs> but but it wasn't old when you're winning. <laughs> so uh, that one was that one was memorable. What about like weekend yeah. venues that maybe your average Texan may not know about on the West Coast or whether it be Arizona, California, maybe just a good weekend show that over the years you've been to that really, really just meant something to you? Well, of course, I prefer the one I put on in April. <laughs> Absolutely, but and I I love um, what they do at Queen Creek. I think that's a wonderful association, and there's always good ground and good cattle, and you know you can you can make headway with your horses, especially your novice horses there. Um, and we try to make it so, you know, at, at our show it's a good place to bring your novice horses also. Um, there's some other shows out there that. Um, Watsonville, uh, you know, some of the little town shows that are extremely friendly. Um, and you know, we've, we've, we've been very blessed with venues on the West Coast. Watsonville, the weather's always beautiful out there. I remember that show. Yeah, well, they said that it was a little cold this year. But, was it? Yeah, but we were out here, so we missed it. 
Was that in the springtime or? That was just a few weeks ago. Yeah, a little cold a few weeks ago. I can't even imagine how. Yeah, well, it's on the coast. (laughs) It's on the coast. You get that fog in the morning. And the arena sits at the bottom of this hill, and there's this big grassy hill. It's pretty cool. Or Mm -hmm. it was the last time I was there. Yeah, still the same. Um, So, obviously, you talked about coming to Texas, and our three Triple Crown events are here. You've bought a place in Weatherford. Kind of what was your thought process into into kind of buying a place here, and why did you feel it was important to have a have a Texas ranch? Well, whether we like it or not, the big money is in Texas. It's it's here, and um, the competition's here. And I don't think you get any better unless you are trying to ride against people that are better than you. And you know, we all we all need to. Mm, rub elbows with the superstars you know for taking this seriously we want to we want to be here where where it's happening and um i've learned so much coming here that um it's been worth every penny i've spent and i love having the ranch here you know it gets the horses out of the mix right now dylan myers is at my place and he wrote me the nicest thank you the other night um and it was like midnight. I guess he couldn't sleep, so you know, had to do something. But he said, you know, I've had more success here, and I know it's because I have this place. My horses are happy. The arena works well. I've got great cattle to work, and how much he appreciated being there. Because you know, most of my horses are on the weekend. Or, or weekend with, circuit. Circuit, or they're <laughs> with you know trainers back here right now. So, you know, I had, I think he brought fourteen head, and and it's is doing very well what a wonderful young man and uh, we could not agree more we actually had him on our live show the other day before the finals and just his story in general and just the resilience and and i mean wherewithal in general i mean that guy is amazing that's there's no other way to put it besides the dude's just flat out amazing yeah he is he's um he's just a treat to be able to watch and and interact and be with. a little bit a part of you know his success one of my favorite memories of Dylan was when he won the fraternity at your cutting. And yes. that was the first I had really heard about him because I'd been living out here. And and they told me he was partially blind. And he, and I saw him watching cows with binoculars. And just watching him win the fraternity that night was such a cool feeling because you're like, this guy can't even see the cows. And he just kicked everybody's butt. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> On a three-year-old, no yeah. less. He, he trained. <laughs> yeah, and he just has that that feel and I, I still you know I've I had eye surgery this last year so I'm kind of familiar with what he can see and what he can't and I don't know how he does it I, I I just I don't know but he can pull it off and is you know just happy to be part of the game so he's unbelievable so being in Texas and I guess with the triple crown events here you probably spend a fair amount of time in the weatherford and fort worth areas are there any restaurants in weatherford or anywhere in fort worth you always like to go well um i think italian food is lucky so i had lunch at mama monica's and i had dinner at zeno's (laughs) (laughs) and i made the finals so you know there's got to be some truth to that right yeah but yeah, so those Olive Garden, Zenos, Mama Monica. <laughs> y'all, better, y'all better be watching out. Davide is gonna love the Olive Garden. He's gonna absolutely. That's why love I said it. that. I know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's a, hilarious. And you know, I think it anchors me in the saddle a little bit more. So, 
we're uh, we're we're high on on Zenos today, and and uh, there's a couple of very good wines there too. So, you know, doesn't hurt. Watch out. <laughs> what uh, so you ran your cutting there at El Rancho for how many years? Uh, I think we're up to 12, 13, 13 this year. I maybe. thought it was thirteen, but I didn't want to. Yeah, yeah, I think it's thirteen. So you ran your cutting there at El Rancho for thirteen years. What is one of your favorite memories from that cutting? Oh boy! Doesn't have to be you. I, maybe just you mm, watching, or you I, down there showing, I, or whatever. I, well, when Phil Rapp pulled the bridle off, um, <laughs> yeah, off lipstick. Um, when he he lost the cow and he came back into the herd and pulled his bridle off and that mare just laid her belly on the ground and and I'm sure he's it's not his fondest memory but the video of it went viral the crowd there wasn't a dry eye you know and um, there's those kind of moments where it doesn't go that well for the person that's cutting but it's it's memorable and it's a salute to that rider that knew he still wanted to do something for that crowd that was was there to see that great mare. And um, I, I just have to say it's probably my favorite memory. And sorry, Phil, but you, know, <laughs> you probably did more for attention to cutting with that problem and that response than um, you know, anything else that's happened there. I worked for Phil when uh, that happened, and I remember being very, very excited because to watch that mare was always a treat anyways, but Everyone. I just I just mm-hmm. remember before that run, I just had a really cool feeling like she was going to do really well um, because, I mean, when you cut Mexican steers at El Rancho on those good Macario horses, it gets pretty good anyways, yeah. and and she was an amazing animal and i've talked to them about this run that run before and it was just so unreal and there's a picture that i've seen for a long time too with her getting that cow with the bridle the rain hung over her neck and he's just smiling and that was always one of my favorite memories as well yeah you never know when what's going wrong turns out to be right Mm -hmm. and you know cutting's just it's a new ball game every day and it's just so fun to see what's going to happen over time what are some horses that you didn't own that you enjoyed uh watching and uh getting shown oh boy special new baby yeah yeah can't can't knock that one um i'm i'm really bad on names but any horse that's winning in a mccuria level or a five six aged event level you you have to have respect for yeah you know and i don't know if i can really pick favorites um there's a couple out there right now that um i'll probably be breeding mares to but you know it it's so it's just so amazing how far cutting has come in the last 10 years you know that the i guess it's the training it's probably the nutrition and it's probably partly that we take better care of our horses than we than we knew how to before um that they can accomplish what they're accomplishing that is just flat amazing carol if with your show coming up the el rancho foothill futurity and fiesta um why would someone 
want to go out there and, and cut outside and cut at the Marietta Event Center? I think they'll find it's a different experience than what you have here. Uh, it'll be fun. The cutting will be tough. The cows will be awesome. Um, it could be a little warm, but I There's think free it's, water. <laughs> there is free water. <laughs> Um, but I think the camaraderie is what you're there for. You know, we really do try to support each other and make sure everybody's got what they need to be successful. And um, it's an experience unlike what you'll have at other other venues. Speaking of camaraderie, anywhere Nancy is going to be there cheering for people. I'm all about <laughs> I'm, it. I'm sure she'll be there. <laughs> oh, yes. <all> about it. <laughs> That was my favorite about the McCurry is when you would hear Nancy cheering for everybody. Be, be cool. Be, be cool. cool. Be cool. <laughs> That's too funny. Well, Carol, we cannot thank you enough for taking the time and coming by and visiting with us. Um, the NCHA needs more people like you and needs people that love cutting and love their horses as much as you. So thank you so much for everything you do, and thanks for being a, an ambassador to this great sport and helping it grow and I mean, we just can't thank you enough for all that you do. Well, uh, and uh, along that line, I'd like to say I think some changes with the NCHA. I think Kirk Slaughter, we've got to get behind him, and we've got to remember that this is our game to promote and to bring it to people that don't understand, don't see, don't know what we're doing and open up this to the public. We need to make make stars out of our horses, yes. you know, and, and promote what what's so great about what we're doing and um we can get behind that and uh, move this forward again well thank you so much carol we appreciate it thank you carol thank you carol thank you guys that's going to conclude today's episode what a great interview with carol ward the producer of the el rancho foothill futurity and fiesta in rancho marietta california um if you haven't which I haven't. I have not been out there yet. I can't wait to make a trip out to Rancho for the Foothill Fiesta. Uh, looks like a great time and sounds like a great time. Cody, that's where your folks are residing currently, right there within a stone's throw of yep, the just right around the corner. Center. So, um, yeah, get there, enter up, and go have some fun cutting outside with Rancho. But, yeah, that's going to conclude today's show. Um, if you got any opinions on what we were discussing earlier in the show, feel free to express them. Uh, send us an email, uh, section K pod at gmail.com. Uh, send us a Facebook message, um, Instagram, or heck, we may even bring you on the show and have you express those opinions and pick them apart. So yeah, send us a message and tell us what you're thinking and, and, uh, but don't comment on people's winners photos and, and accusing them of, of uh having a stupid opinion or or uh Bingo. being an idiot so let's be let's be respectful and um let's congratulate people when they win and yeah let's just uh all get along so yeah hit us up on instagram facebook and email um we'll be seeing all y'all down the road adios bye love that was made and the love that was lost it's been worth it despite all the cost Promises were made, but most were broken. Words I needed, I always left unspoken. 
Some say scars only heal with time So it seems I've left my glass behind When the road ends though, I'll find another way I'll follow that sunset to brighter days So let's raise a glass to our memories Hope we have many more times just like these Cause before you know it, my friend, we'll be gone, long gone And hopefully you have someone to love Hold them tight and raise your glass above Cause before you know it, my friend, we'll be gone, long gone, gone, long gone Loving Lady Luck, splitting half day trains So I'll wait and ride till they come back again We'll watch another sunset slowly fade away And save our last words for another day Then we'll all celebrate, yeah, we'll all laugh and dance We'll do it all so nothing's even left to chance As long as there's a drink and a few good friends We'll ride this train until it ends So hop on board, won't you please come along Cause the times we shared are what made this song So let's raise a glass to our memories And hope we have many more times just like these Cause before you know it, my friend, we'll be gone, long gone And hopefully you have someone to love Hold them tight and raise your glass above Cause before you know it, my friend, we'll be gone, long gone, gone, long gone So I'll keep on going, I'll keep on trucking You tie me down, I won't stop bucking Gonna keep picking on these six strings One day you'll see what my music brings And I'll thank all the ones who said to never quit And I'll laugh at all the others who gave me shit Regrets, they travel hand in hand with age My remedy's waiting for me up on center stage One day I'll be up there, yeah, in the spotlight Just doing what I love and everything will be alright Everything's gonna be alright Oh, everything will be alright tonight So let's raise a glass to our memories And hope we have many more times just like these Cause before you know it, my friend, we'll be gone, long gone And hopefully you have someone to love Hold them tight and raise your glass above Cause before you know it, my friend, we'll be gone, long gone Yeah, gone, long gone